Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Sunday morning, the 23rd of January, 2022. As we do our morning show, which starts on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, the Joe and Joe Weather Show, as always, brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, your superstore for everything you need to get you through this winter to make sure that your home and the area outside your home is clean and safe from snow and ice. They've got salt. They've got rock salt, tons of rock salt at uh, the lowest prices anywhere in the tri-state area. That's what the what Omni looks like from the outside at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. And they've got everything you need in terms of equipment, uh, snow blowers uh, of 24 uh, uh, inch blade, 30 inch blade, uh, spreaders, mag ice pellets and flakes and the well regarded pellado uh, for snow melt products along with shovels, uh, ice melt, whatever you need. And there's your rock salt. So it's all there at Omni uh, on Long Island serving the New York, New Jersey tri-state area 631 and beyond, by the way, 631-756-1125 is the phone number. And the website is omnitruevalue.com. Yes. Who said that? I don't know. You oh. did. So let me just right off yeah. the top, I just want to let everybody know that uh, for those of you who are on the Meteorologist Joe Chaffee weather app, or if you want to be on the Meteorologist Joe Chaffee weather app, you can download it for free on Google Play or on the App Store. Uh, those of you who've had the uh, the Apple version, there's been some problems for the last couple of months, but that's all fixed now and it's working. So uh, make sure you got your notifications turned on just in case there's anything of important going on and uh so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everything that's happening uh in the short range and in the medium range and in the long range and at least from the standpoint of the short range we have three relatively weak weather systems coming through one uh, to, uh late today and tonight uh here in eastern pennsylvania to southern new england and uh another one which is tonight's is tonight is uh, a weak cold front. Tomorrow's more like a weak warm front, and uh, there might be uh, some snow showers with that. I thought, Joe, that there it's one of these things where uh, some places could get a whitening of the ground or a little bit more, and other places might see very little or nothing. So it's just going to be uh, clusters of snow showers, and you got to keep an eye on the radar. So. Uh, somebody's going to look outside and see it's snow covered and they're going to panic. And, uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe someone gets into a heavier snow shower if it shows up on the radar and you wind up with a, a quick half an inch or so. Uh, and then the same for tomorrow night, the same idea. Tuesday's uh, cold front that approaches, now that one looks pretty weak. There really isn't much with it uh, other than clouds. So we get a you know, we get cold tomorrow, quick warm up on Tuesday, and then another cold big air, another cold air mass comes in for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then we look toward the weekend because uh, uh, these troughs that have been coming through, the one for the end of the week looks like the strongest of the bunch, but there's still not a, there's not a lot of clarity yet. There's there, there's some indications about which way we may go with this, but there's not a lot of clarity clarity yet, and we're still seeing you know, as I like to put it, chess pieces being moved around. I enjoyed yesterday's GFS where they had the snow just beginning with that system next weekend as we cross over from 
the Hudson Valley into Connecticut. And then the snow gradually gets more and more intense as one headed eastward. Right. Until finally, when you got to Providence and Boston and Portland, Maine, you ended up with something like one to one and a half feet of snow. So I said, hmm, that would that would be an interesting scenario, wouldn't it? But then again, I had to remind myself that that was about a week away and we're going to have so many flips between now and then. So why get excited about that just now? Well, yeah, I, I've been saying over the last couple of days that, you know, Monday is prop tomorrow's probably a good day where we, you know, we could start to get seriously interested. I, I, I think we could certainly go through today and, you know, take a look at what's going on in the upper atmosphere uh, and in terms of, of how the upper atmosphere is structured, because that that is the, the driver, of course. And, you know, the, the models seem to be struggling whether we get a more intense upper air structure, what we like to call the, a, 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 you know, a, a negatively tilted trough and, you know, versus uh, a, a positively tilted or a progressive system. And, and, and I know we throw those terms around and I, I think I want to just kind of uh, do this analogy. Um, I'm going to see, see if I can do this. Hang on a second because it's nice having a headset. So I got a broom, okay? I got a broom. So how do we hold a broom mostly yes. when, when we're sweeping? We hold it, you know, I unless you're right-handed or let, depending on whether you're right-handed or left-handed, you're going to sweep left to right or right to left. But for, for the sake of argument, let's say we all sweep going from left to right. So I'm going to put, you know, I put my broom down. So you're, you, you hold it at an angle like this. This is northeast. This is southwest. This is a positively tilted trough. So what happens? Let's say if I hold the broom close to the ground and sweep, I'm only going to get the dirt that's around the broom. It's not the most efficient way of doing things. So if we think of the dirt on your seldom swept floor as... Uh, <laughs> If we think of the dirt on your seldom swept floor as moisture, you're only going to be able to pick up so much moisture. And where is it going to go? Well, it's going to go pretty much the way you're going to move the broom, which is from, from left to right or from west to east. It's not going to pick up very much. It's not going to spread very far away from the, 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 uh, the bristles. It's just going to kind of stay concentrated. Now, as I start make that tilt less positively tilted and I start to sweep up, I could sweep more efficiently. I could get more moisture, uh, and in the sense that I'm picking up more dirt off your seldom swept uh, uh, swept floor, and that dirt is spreading out over a larger area. So that's why we refer to as a positively tilted. So what happens if we get to a negatively tilt? If you sweep like this, well, you're not going to sweep very well this way, but if you take your broom from a positively tilted position and then swing it to a negatively tilted position, what happens to all that, that dirt? It, it sweeps, it spreads out. You're, expe right. You're expending all this energy. You're expending much more energy uh, and spreading out that dirt. You also could sweep faster, so you could actually sweep up more dirt. So that's why when you see an upper trough when it's tilted like this or in that negatively tilted position, you get the, surf, the, uh, the surface lows wind up intensifying. You see the area of moisture really expand and, and grow. So I, I, that's, that, that's why the, how the troughs are structured in the upper atmosphere 
are are so important. I, I thought that would kind of explain because we you know we, we we throw the terms around and you know the more weather savvy folks get it. Uh, but this, I think, will probably help those who would like to, you know, gain a, a better understanding of how the atmosphere works. That's kind of a good way to look at it. Absolutely, that's a that's an excellent analogy. I I think that's very. What I was going to just simply say is that if you're looking at a pendulum on a grandfather clock, the positive tilt would be when the pendulum is tilted more to the left, and a negative tilt is tilted more to the right. But that you'd put more emphasis on the negative tilt because that generally is associated with intensifying and uh, dramatically increasing uh, storminess. But I like your your and especially my my wife who is is she believes in cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes. So she would enjoy the the analogy of of cleanliness and uh, uh, believe me she she hates when the floor is not all that clean and she does a lot of let's put it this way she's been a She's been very negative in terms of the broom. Yeah. <laughs> by, by, by the way, uh, I was I woke up this morning 17 outside. Uh, we're now back above. We're now finally above 30. It's a cold day, but no wind and, and the blue skies and sunshine every day, everywhere. Uh, Friday morning. Uh, actually, Thursday night when I went to bed, Joe, I opened the door, the front door to just kind of give a look outside. Uh, and uh, I had a coating of snow. Uh, some snow showers came down the mountains and, and uh, put a nice little coating, coating of snow. We dropped down into the low 20s, and I woke up Friday morning. Uh, there was a nice fresh coating everywhere, which certainly beats what I had uh, the day or two before, which was waking up to you know a night where we had freezing drizzle all night, and uh, everything was right. covered in ice, and it didn't get above freezing until late in the afternoon. Uh, so, you know... Definitely looked 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 pretty. So now we've got a nice day, and uh, I am uh, I'm happy about that. So so let let's get to we got the the NAM is already out. We've got the new GFS that's coming out and should be out far enough that we can at least take a look at what it's doing. So uh, why don't we start with what's going on uh, in the short term, of course, and uh, we have a, uh, a, a the first of these three weak weather systems. And uh, as a result, we've got uh, winter weather advisories up. Just give me a moment here while I get the uh, uh, the map up here. And uh, we've got uh, some winter weather advisories up to the west uh, in uh, western Pennsylvania and into uh, Ohio and back up into northern Indiana and still holding on to a few winter weather advisories uh, around uh, Chicago. Uh, down in Florida, by the way, because with, with with these cold highs, the way they've been coming down, we've been seeing these cold air masses uh, drain cold air down to Florida. And they've got uh, – I, I got to look at this, Joe, because they have wind chill advisories up for north, northern, uh, northeastern Florida, which would be right around Jacksonville. Yeah. So I just want to read – I just want to read how much their suffering is as far as these wind chills are concerned. No, I'm sorry, not wind chill. Um, I take that back. I'm sorry. I just sometimes the colors throw me off. Uh, they have. I know in Jacksonville yesterday was a very cold day. I, I don't remember the specific numbers, but uh, they've got freeze watches and freeze warnings up. So this is certainly, you know, for Florida, that's a serious thing with the uh, with the citrus crop. And uh, I'll go a little further south. Let's see what's going on down on the central Florida coast. Um, 
Okay, so we've got freeze watches. Oh, they have a free, a freeze watch, frost advisory, freeze warnings. Uh, they uh, go pretty far south down through the central part of the state. Uh, and freeze watch, freeze warnings, frost advisories, rip current statements, high surf advisories. So they're not doing pretty well over there uh, fr from that standpoint. And one more, uh, we'll, we'll take one more shot further south and see... Uh, what uh, the areas around Miami and, and see where all this cuts off. So the the uh, the freeze watches looks like they they cut off the or the frost advisories are west of uh, of uh, West Palm Beach and Boca Raton uh, and also with the Southwest Florida inland away from uh, Naples and Fort Myers and Everglades City. So this is a pretty you know this is a, a very very cold air mass that's that's gone down pretty far south. Uh, Miami right now is a crisp, you know they have their layered coats on, Joe. It's 59 uh, in uh, in Miami at the moment. 59. Lovely. Lovely. I always tell people, if you're going to take a vacation and you think about going somewhere, don't go to Florida, but go to the Caribbean because it never gets cold down there. If you go to Florida, case in point today, I mean, you're taking your chances because there could be days just like what they're experiencing right now in Miami. Yeah, Jacksonville's 43 at 11 o'clock in the morning. 43. That's cold. I see the high tomorrow in Miami is expected to be between 65 and 70. It'll be sunny, but it's 65 to 70 with a north wind at 5 to 10 miles an hour. So maybe a little bit of a chill factor. Maybe it'll feel more like 60 down there on the beaches. Right, if and you it, go to Miami. And, and if it was 65 to 70 up in the Northeast right now, everybody everybody would be out in shorts and, and short sleeves and short pants. By comparison, right, exactly. Yeah. Everything is relative. Everything is relative. Everything is relative. The body gets acclimated to whatever's around you after a day or so of whatever air mass you're dealing with. There's, you know, we've got had this persistent uh, flow from uh, Canada. Uh, that continues to bring down uh, cold air mass after cold air mass. The problem for snow lovers is that the transition in between has been with, you know, these weak upper troughs. And then if you look also, uh, if you watch what's going on in the northern stream and also take a look at what's going on down here in the southern part of the jet stream, uh, you have... Uh, you know, these upper troughs that are kind of moving along in the northern stream, you've got these upper troughs that are moving along in the southern stream. That's been taking those storms out to the northeast and well, you know, well south and east of us. But nothing's phasing. Uh, you need that. You need something from the north to come down and do a little work with something in the south to make for a more efficient broom. Just to go back to that analogy uh, from earlier, uh, a more sweeping experience, a more efficient sweeping experience, and you're just not going to get it. Uh, with with uh, a flow like this. Now the difference is at the end of the week, maybe it may be your one and possibly your last chance before we see a longer term pattern change. Maybe set it at the beginning of February, and I, I and I will get into that uh, in in a, in a bit too. Meanwhile, on the radar, I'll give this a quick refresh. Uh, we actually have some uh, some echoes showing up aloft on the radar. Uh, in northern northeastern Pennsylvania and parts of uh, the middle Hudson Valley uh, and the upper Hudson Valley at, um, at you know we're looking at this it's 11:16 Eastern time uh, but there's some steadier snow shower activity uh, back coming off of Lake Ontario and off of Lake Erie into western New York and also this cluster 
of uh, snow showers in western Pennsylvania and over into Ohio. That area is going to hold together fairly well during the day today. Uh, the question is what happens after it moves into western New Jersey. Uh, is it going to hold together and, or is it going to fall apart? Mar models are kind of mixed on that. And I, often, I oftentimes think, uh, think that when you, when you get into a situation like that with respect to a forecast, you want to just be safe and put it in there and cover for the possibility that somebody winds up with a, a, maybe, a, as we said earlier, a heavier snow shower that whitens the ground or a little bit more. But uh, it shouldn't be more than that because these the systems are rather weak. And by the way, in terms of total snowfall from these three systems over the next three days uh, in western Pennsylvania, this is spread out into you know today and tomorrow. And less so on Tuesday, not, not really much on Tuesday, but for today and tomorrow's system, uh, if you go into the western half of Pennsylvania, uh, north in, back into Ohio, uh, you're going to you're going to put down in some places eight to 12 inches of snow uh, from Cleveland along the lakeshore into southwestern New York. Some of that's going to be lake effect. Uh, Youngstown uh, forecast to get eight, uh, Columbus four. Uh, but again, this is snow that is Mansfield seven. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, uh, probably about five or six. Uh, I'm sorry, four at Pittsburgh is the bullseye. Six or seven as you go further north. Altoona, three. Williamsport, two. Uh, and then you start to get into the numbers here as you go close to us for today and tomorrow. It's basically a coating to an inch. The only thing I probably would have done different than the Weather Service did uh, is I probably would have, ex they've extended this a little bit this morning. Uh, I would have probably brought it down to include Long Island and most of New Jersey uh, just to be on the, on, again, just to be on the safe side from the standpoint of covering in the forecast. Sure, but you, you never know where a snow shower is going to really end up. Sometimes they hold on. Sometimes they hang on for a longer interval of time. And uh, if they're especially condensed or concentrated, you could pick up, you know, again, a quickie coating with some of these things. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Why not just hold on to to the threat right on down to uh, the uh, low end of uh, New York State, the city and Long Island, because uh, you, you never really know with these things. Yeah. And um, some of the short range models actually have a fairly you know, d decent looking cluster of snow showers moving through overnight uh, for some of the coastal areas. So again, I included it for everybody. By the way, Joe Rayo is monitoring the chat board today. So um, if you have anything to say or any questions, uh, just uh, by all means, please do. And uh, welcome to those of you who are watching the show for the first time. This is our Sunday morning version of the Joe and Joe Weather Show. And we are usually on five days a week from Sunday through Thursday. Uh, and uh, Monday through Thursday, uh, we are on at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel using your Gmail account and uh, set your notifications on. So this way you get notified every time the Joe and Joe Weather Show is on and you seldom miss, miss it. There's the uh, surface map from last night with the next cold front approaching. Uh, we'll take a look at the, well, we might have the 15Z map. Might we have it? No, we have the 12Z. Uh, but uh, your next cold front is already into western New York. Uh, there's a little wave there in northern Indiana on the front, and you've got a cold high with double-digit below zero readings this morning at 7 a.m. I see some minus 22s, minus 26, looks like up in northwestern Minnesota. I'm not sure if that's Fargo. Um, North Dakota, That's uh, my, I think it might be minus 20. So, so that's a that's a... 
a, a decent shot of cold air. Obviously, we're not going to get that cold, but uh, we are going to get uh, we're going to see our temperatures inch up today a little bit, and then they're going to go down a little bit tomorrow. Uh, then another, you know, you know, again that warm front for tomorrow night. We warm up a bit on Tuesday, and then. Uh, a more uh, a colder air mass, another colder air mass for Wednesday through Friday. So that you know that's been the pattern the last couple of weeks, and and that just is going to roll on this week. And uh, one of the one of the people on the chat board said, Joe, that they they love the sound of your new mic. You sound like an airline pilot coming over the intercom <laughs> on uh, uh, and telling everybody in the cabin what's going on. <laughs> well, I hope that means it's it's relatively clear. You know, I, I well, that's clear. It's clear for me. I it's, it sounds like, uh, yeah, you do you do have that sound to your voice, and uh, it's it's nice. No, no, uh, it's you know, on, on on some days you sounded like you were, you know, talking and you were clear, but you were inside of a barrel. But right, this is this is perfect. Yeah, no, no, I I def, definitely uh, uh, you know, and I I I got like like a high a high I spent a little money to get this higher quality headset so i'm happy with it and i wouldn't be able to get up and do the broom analogy like i did earlier if i if i if i weren't able to uh, maneuver around and you know what thankfully it it uh it was easy to install you know i didn't have any problems with the installation once once i solved that little issue on my computer with who was what was controlling the uh the audio settings uh it worked fine wpc our friends at wpc with their uh, snowfall uh, probabilities, and uh, we're going to give this a quick refresh too, uh, just in case they put out something new, which they do sometimes. And uh, this is the probability of at least two inches. So uh, clearly, they don't think two, in the next 72 hours. So clearly, they do not think that two inches uh, is going to get anywhere close to uh, our area. Uh, you have to go. You know, if you want to use the 40 to 50 percent line, that would be the blue. Uh, the darkest blue, and then you, the colors that go over to the red are 95% to 100% for at least two. Uh, you can see how they're looking at it over the next three days. And uh, if we take a look at the probability for at least four, uh, high probabilities along the lakeshore there in uh, in Ohio, around Cleveland, on up toward Erie. Uh, but uh, still a fairly wide area of a 50% chance of at least four, and that extends into western Pennsylvania and covers the northern half of Ohio and goes into uh, southwest New York and also uh, the areas around Lake Ontario uh, in uh, on the east shores of Lake Ontario. Let's call it the southeast shores of Lake Ontario because, uh, you know, depending on the wind direction, uh, that really determines uh, where you get any, any kind of uh, additional lake effect. On the long range, WPC has um, the, the probabilities Friday and Saturday – now I'm not, you know, I, this is this is before the overnight guidance was issued. So they not only have not seen any of the new guidance uh, on in their forecast, but this goes before last night's GFS and last night's European were were in. So they have a 10 to 30 percent chance of it of at least two and a half inches of the equivalent of snow and sleet. This is for Friday into Saturday from eastern North Carolina 
northeast up through New Jersey and into, but not that far north and west of the coast. If you go on the other side of the of, of the state line of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, there's nothing. Um, you know, kind of maneuvers its way up the Hudson Valley to an extent, southern New England, and then over on up into Maine. And then for the next time period, uh, this is from Saturday into Sunday, eastern Virginia. Now they move the chance into eastern Pennsylvania on up uh, to the northeast. Now, look, I know a lot of you have already seen the models and how they've been going back and forth. So, uh, it, obviously, if there's an out-to-sea solution, this forecast ain't going to happen. But this is what WPC is doing. And, again, this is based on now uh, a couple of model cycles uh, uh, ago. Uh, they'll update that. Usually, the, sometimes they update that in the, in the late afternoon if there's stuff going on. Uh, sometimes they don't update it until sometime later in the evening, uh, but we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, see what they do with this later. In the meantime, here's your system for today, late today and tonight. Uh, you go into this evening, Joe, and uh, you know there's a fairly on the NAM anyway. You know what I think? I think it's better. I probably go close up, and uh, then we're going to switch over to the new GFS and see what adventures that brings that brings us. So. The NAM actually, it was kind of funny yesterday because on the runs of the NAM, uh, when the snow reached the border of, of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, it was like a solid area of coverage over Pennsylvania. And then as, as you went through uh, the evening and overnight hours, it, it, it created, it was as if there was a boilerplate over New Jersey, Long Island, the Hudson Valley, and Connecticut. All of a sudden, the snow just fell apart. Some of it went well to the north, a little bit went well to the south, and nothing happened. And in the last you know, couple of runs, it, it's kind of starting to pick up on the idea that maybe these snow showers will hold together. But again, you notice it, it's, you know, it, they're broken up in clusters. Some areas get them, some areas don't, and I think that's the way to go. If we look at the, uh, the, the HRRR for what it's worth, which, you know, sometimes tends to be a little overdone with this sort of stuff. Uh, is, uh, you know, it's got this area, uh, and then it starts to shrink a bit as it reaches the coastline, but enough of it holds together, and it seems to want to favor a decent, you know, at least several hours of snow shower activity, Joe, for the Hudson Valley and Long Island tonight, uh, uh, right into uh, at least 4 or 5 a.m. tomorrow morning before before it's all said and done. Well, you know, I, I would agree, and of course, with the way the temperatures are, and with the way the ground is, you don't need a whole heck of a lot of snow shower activity to pick up an accumulation. My hope is it'll be something less than at least a half an inch, maybe just a coating, uh, because again, uh, if, if it goes on for a long enough interval of time, you, you could pick up you know, uh, enough to have to get out there with your broom and shovel. And uh, that, is, that is certainly the possibility overnight tonight. But as you said, the HRRR sometimes tends to overdo on systems like this, I did see the uh, the foos on the NAM, and they gave us maybe a few hundredths of an inch at most. So you really can't make all that much snow, even from a few hundredths of an inch, no matter how cold it is. But again, don't be surprised you get outside tomorrow morning uh, that uh, you may need your snow brush because uh, there may be a little bit of a slight accumulation out there. All right, running through the NAM uh, after tomorrow tonight is the next system. And by the way, bear in mind that the fact that we have a lot of these systems in the flow is not conducive 
to major storm development, at least for the first half of this week. There's just too much, you know, there's too much junk running around. There's a low in the Bahamas. There's a low that forms down there in the Gulf of Mexico. You can see that, that going back. And there's a low that's well out east into the Atlantic all week. And then you have the northern stream systems here that are also all week. And again, not much phasing going on here. Uh, the uh, system for tomorrow night, again, this is more of a warm frontal front type situation, a weak warm front. Uh, so we have another, you know, another situation where the model is generating a, 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 an area of what looks like light snow. It comes through, uh, kind of cuts off there in northern, the northern half of New Jersey, northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, into southern New, into New England and upstate New York. Uh, maybe that produces, especially inland, some places could wind up with the, you know, maybe a couple of inches out of it. Warm, front, warm fronts can be tricky sometimes, uh, and you could you can get surprises from those. Uh, but I'm not expecting anything here down further south. And then late in the day Tuesday, you know, there's this Gulf low that's moving into into North Florida. Uh, it's very weak. Uh, the the Arctic boundary, the cold front that comes through, also very weak. See, it generates a little bit of rain there, southern New Jersey and offshore. Yesterday, the dam on, on one of the runs went crazy with all this dark blue snow all over the place. Uh, but it really didn't have any support from any of the other models. And then here comes the next cold high that builds right on in for Wednesday and into Thursday. And then if you look in the upper left, you start to see what is the beginnings of the uh, system for the end of the week and going into the weekend. So now let's let's uh, switch to the GFS, which is out far enough. And I'm going to be looking. Yes. Jo Joe and I are going to be looking at this for the first time. And then we're going to go examine. I've already seen it. All right, I have not. So let me let me be let okay. me let me be surprised. Uh, I'm I'm going to okay. I'm going to think from what I've seen with regards to um, the icon and what the the middle runs did last night that it's going to still be kind of an out to sea type of solution. Um, but again, I might be shocked. Who knows? Let's. Uh, I'm stuck at 90 hours here. Oh, now I got 96. So here we are for Thursday. I'm going to hang on. Let me shut a window here. Let me get rid of stuff that I know is probably draining. Uh, uh, okay, there, okay, now we can move it along. And there's your, your high moving off, uh, off the Virginia coast. It goes out. There's another Arctic boundary that approaches on Friday. Uh, this is already a little different. So let me see. Maybe not. Um, a cold front, another Arctic front, and you're going to need that to happen because you got to the first the cold air mass for Wednesday and Thursday goes out, so you're going to need another another push of cold air to come in, which you get. Uh, and uh, seeing some lighter snows here uh, with that boundary that sort of stalls out. So now we're into Friday evening. Oh, so so there's your low Friday evening, well east of the Georgia coast, uh, and it swings mostly east and offshore, uh, and it goes out. Okay, so let's let's look at why it's doing this. And by the way, the fact that um, yesterday, Joe, in, in one of the runs, and I'm going to go to that right now. I'm going to go to the 18Z run from yesterday afternoon because I, I I think this is, you know, this is the one that basically you know gave one to two feet from uh, northeast Georgia all the way up. Uh, into uh, into New England, but I want to show it to illustrate w why it's probably wrong. 
okay? I'm not 100% sure it's wrong, but I'm pretty sure that we're not going to get this. But uh, looking at this, the system for the end of the week was much slower. And that was very important because you have this system coming through Thursday night and Friday. If that doesn't get out of the way, it's going to suppress the system that's behind it. There's only going to be so much room. And uh, on the other hand, yesterday on the, on the late afternoon run, and we've seen a couple of runs like this in, in the past several days where uh, the upper air was much more dynamic. And here you have a strong storm developing in the northeast Gulf of Mexico uh, that winds up going straight up the east coast. And as I said, buried everybody from northeast Virginia uh, all the way up uh, into uh, New England. This would have been, you know, this is... A, obviously a major snowstorm uh, for uh, the East Coast uh, from south to north, if it if, if this were to verify. Takes a track right to the benchmark, Joe. It took a track right to 40 and 70, and uh, everybody gets a foot plus. Now, why did it do that? Okay, let's go back to that, that the broom analogy when we go to a negatively tilted trough. And uh, where, you know, we're going from... Uh, uh, a trough that's or your broom is goes from the upper left to the low, lower right and you're and you're sweeping it really quickly okay watch the trough as it comes in and again it's a day slower here all right with what's going on the east coast trough the trough in the east actually uh you can't really find it uh, it's it, it it's just not there so all this energy piled down and if you notice right here at this point uh, the axis of the trough, like right along 80 degrees, and then the upper low lifts up to the north as the whole as as another system comes down from the north and picks it up and like a lever uh, or a lever just just pulls it up the east coast. Okay, that's your negatively tilted trough uh, setup right here. Okay, right there. Hang on, let me get rid of that. Like this, and we lift it up, and it just goes crazy. And, and that's why, you know, you wound up, the model did what it did. Now, let, let me go back. Let's go to Friday morning, which already is different from what the GFS was showing yesterday. Friday morning, uh, you know, here there's your, uh, your new trough that's going to make your, your storm along the East Coast. Okay, your, uh, your flow is uh, west-southwest. Again, this is, this is yesterday. Now I'll switch to today, just to give you, uh, so you can see the comparison for the same time frame, and you'll you'll now notice the difference here. Look at this trough that's coming down; it's faster. Uh, it's also uh, there's much. It's much broader. That you don't you didn't you could already see on the old run that there was a sharper definition to the trough as it was dropping down further to the west. This is much faster, and what's the tilt on it, folks? It's that positively tilted broom tilt that we were talking about. And as it swings to the east coast, it doesn't really get neutral until it's right on the coast. Okay. Right. Uh, and. You know, that's the issue here. You need the trough to be getting sharp and, and neutral back in somewhere in eastern Ohio, eastern Kentucky. Uh, and that, that where I drew it might be just, a, you know, a handful of miles too far to the west. Maybe you want it somewhere in between. But you want that neutral tilt at least at 80 degrees west. You can't have it at 75 because then it's going to go negative when it's way out. 
and that's that's what it does. Uh, it goes it goes negative when it goes way out into the act. It doesn't even really go negative. It stays neutral, uh, which is enough to get the storm at least to strengthen. Uh, but it doesn't strengthen down to those ridiculous pressures that we saw uh, on on the prior run. So th- the the bottom line is, Joe, that it's too progressive. Uh, it's too progressive. It's too fast. Too many short waves running around. And unless uh, that second that system that's coming down that's going to make this happen is uh, here's a wider view, by the way. There's your trough Thursday morning. It goes out, and now again, uh, you can see how you can see what's going on up in eastern Canada. There's an upper low that's moving into from Hudson Bay to Labrador. It just overwhelms. It just keeps it too broad, and it doesn't get sharp until it's already well past the coastline. Unless we see this go back to something that resembles what it did yesterday, uh, which was a less progressive, more negatively tilted look. Uh, you're going to have a you're going to have a storm that's going to develop that's going to go pretty much out to sea. A deja vu of what we had yesterday, by the way, uh, at least relative to where we are, um, not necessarily for the Carolinas and, and you know who got iced over and places in uh, Virginia, uh, coastal Virginia, that had quite a bit of snow. Now, uh, another thing to point out, Joe, is that we're still six days out. Yes, there's so much. So much that can happen between now and then. Really, we won't know the facts as to what is going to happen until we're within three days. So maybe right. Wednesday or Thursday of this upcoming week, we'll be able to say with more certainty or surety as to what is likely to happen. But until then, as I said at the top of the show, there's a lot of uh, there's a, there's a lot of room for waffling, if you will, a lot of room for flipping. Oh, absolutely, uh, no, no, no question. I mean, you know, we're talking about the trough being on the coast at hour 144, 150, and if you recall from the storm from a week ago, we, remember when we had the offshore tracks, and then uh, in you know, then we had that the the, the two radical runs that the, the two runs that radically shifted the storm to to an inland track. I mean, that happened inside the 120-hour time frame. I'm not. I, I, I'm I'm not completely closing the door on this. All I'm all I'm doing here is really illustrating what the issues are in terms of what's going on on the upper air. And there are issues. I mean, if you are if you're looking for something, you know, if you're looking for something, or at least you know, uh, some, some some sort of substantial snowfall. Um, right now, from what you're looking at, uh, you've got issues in order to pull that off. So uh, what you're going to want to what you're going to look for is you you the upper trough that's coming for the end of the week has to be slower uh it has to be deeper and more defined the trough has to drop further west you want to see it drop in in the western great lakes down into the middle mississippi valley on its initial approach and you want it to see it sharpen up when it reaches say eastern ohio western pennsylvania before it lifts on lifts the storm up northeastward up the coastline because if you don't have that um you know it ain't going to happen uh, it just ain't going to happen. And don't forget that on Martin Luther King Day one week ago, last Monday, the the European came out with a, uh, a a solution that would have brought a humongous snowstorm for the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. Everybody jumped on that and said, there it is. There it is. There's the big one that we've been waiting for. And of course, what happened in the days that followed, the European went, well, I don't think well, so. Well, I in the days that in the days that followed, how about the next the very next run? 
You know, and yes, really. Exactly. How how about the exactly. very next? I the European. But there were people who are holding on. People who saw the Monday uh, run of the European were holding on to the hope that that was it, and that in the next few runs that didn't quite agree with that. Right. They said, "Well, this is just a. This is just a." But they, uh, it doesn't matter. It's going to go back to the to the Monday solution, and it never did. No. But they and even as I mentioned on Thursday, there were still people on on the web who were saying models having difficulty in, in in ferreting all this out. I said, "What do you mean they're having difficulty?" By Thursday, they were all on the same page that the darn thing wasn't going to hit us, you know. But they were still hoping that the Monday solution would would rear its head again, but it never did. Uh, yeah, the European, the inconsistency of the European has really been remarkable to me because um, I, I I can't remember I can't remember it. Uh, I hate using the term flip flopping because I really don't think it's flip flopping. It, it's it's you know that that that's a really simplistic way of looking at what what's going on in the atmosphere. It's it's a matter of of uh, you know, seeing where all you know how the how the model handles troughs and ridges from run to run, and obviously, you know, you're going to have changes in strength and 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 position and rate of movement, and that impacts. You know, if one thing changes, everything gets it cha- impacts down the road. Uh, there always used to be a sense, though, when you looked at the European over its 10-day time frame of of a little bit more of, of of there used to be a sense of of not complete consistency but you could get a good flavor for where things were going on that model now it's you know you, you get a major storm that's off uh, off the mid-atlantic coast on one run then it's uh, 700 miles to the east on the, on the next run um or it may just be completely gone uh, that sort of thing was something that the european never really used to do or if it did it didn't do it very often it certainly did it far less than the gfs did but i don't know joe in the last um in the last i would say at least the last year it's been and particularly the last five or six months it's just been it's just been horribly inconsistent on a lot of things even in the short range it's it's just been not picking up things until the last minute i don't know i i I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence anymore in, in what it what it what it does, especially when it does different, you know, something different from what the other models are doing. And James Davidson on the chat board says all these snowstorm threats, most of the time, always go too far off the coast, usually, and we just can't get a storm moving up the coast. Unfortunately, here in central, now this is, I'm I'm wondering whether James suffered a little bit of amnesia uh, in this final statement of his. He said, here in central and southern New Jersey, always a miss. Uh, James, do, this, do you not remember what happened in central and southern Jersey just a couple of weeks ago? Did, did you not remember that? Yeah, I mean, I, you I, know, I it's it's hard. It's memory hard. Serves me correctly. Yeah, my memory serves me correctly that I'm sitting here in, in, in New York City or in the Hudson Valley, you know, with an air mass that was too cold, too dry, didn't get a flake. And meanwhile, you folks down in central and southern Jersey got walloped with anywhere from four to eight inches of snow. Always a miss, James? I think not. Not well, always. Well, and, and just to add to, to that, I just uh, the chairman sent me this, which I, th- uh, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, these are the top 40 locations as a percentage of above normal snowfall through January 22nd. Okay. And uh, remember, we're 
you know, we, remember where we are geographically. We are not around the Great Lakes uh, and, and dealing with lake effect. We are not, um, you know, up in the, in the in the western part of the United States where you get into these patterns where it snows 100 inches at a time. Okay. Our snowfall normals are what they are, but relative to normal, it's hard to make the argument that it's always a miss. Atlantic City right now has 17.2 inches of snow for the season total. Their average snowfall to date is only 7.2. So they're running 130, uh, almost 140% above normal. Okay, so it's kind of hard to argue the point that, they, like you said, that there's always a miss. Washington, D.C. has a foot for the season, 146% of normal. Um, yeah, most of the cities on here on this list, it's a kind of interesting list because uh, it's the Tennessee Valley, it's the Mid-Atlantic states, uh, it's Lexington, Kentucky, for example, 14 inches versus 5.4. Charlotte, North Carolina, 4.1 versus 1.6. Um, Medford, right. o- Medford, Oregon is on the list, 4.5 versus 1.8. Now, it's a small number. Memphis, Tennessee, uh, the normal snowfall today is six-tenths of an inch. They have 2.8, so that's 366.7% uh, over the normal. Uh, Columbia, Metro, South Carolina, two inches versus a half an inch, 300%. Greenville, South Carolina, six and a half. Uh, Harrison, Arkansas, uh, 13.3, 200% of normal. Uh, yeah, So we're looking at you know, sizable snow amounts as a percentage of normal, far higher. But the geographic areas, most the mid-Atlantic states, the interior southeast, the Tennessee Valley, and then also parts of the northern plains uh, and into uh, back over to, say, Wyoming. Wyoming, a couple of stations in Wyoming show up on the list. And then a, a smattering up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. I do not see downtown Seattle here. Let me just make I always like to look at Seattle. Um, Knoxville, Huntington, West Virginia, Memphis Airport, 1.7 versus 0.9, Norfolk, Virginia, 6.7 versus 3.4, 97% above normal, Asheville, 10.2, and by the way, that's just probably in downtown Asheville, there's every bit of double and triple that amount in the mountains, uh, as I still got snow covered mountains here up at four and 5,000 feet, so, you know, I know that if I, you know, there's got to be at least a half a foot plus up there, if not more, so uh, I'm thinking up by Asheville, there's probably about one to two feet at the very least, up at the higher peaks up uh, in the mountains in, in uh, western North Carolina. So uh, thanks to the chairman for sending me this. It, uh, it uh, definitely uh, made sense to, to uh, take a look at, at this today. And by the way, now we'll, I want to look at the, the long, long range because, you know, we've been, when it's all said and done, we would have been, on, we got into this pattern probably just right after New Year's, uh, New Year's Day. So uh, it, it's lasted uh, the better part of four weeks will probably last. It's going to last another week to 10 days, and then it's going to change, which is, you know, five weeks in the same pattern is, is, is uh, that's a long stretch. So you're bound to have it change. And as we, I'm, I'm looking at the um, 6C run, uh, because that's the last one that we have um, a full run of. And after the storm goes by next weekend, you start to see, uh, there's one more trough that swings into the eastern part of the United States around February 1st or 2nd. But you can already see the flow across the southern half of the United States becomes westerly. And then gradually, as the upper low in Hudson Bay, you start, you begin to develop a trough down into the western part of the United States. 
And while you don't have a screaming ridge in the east, it's on the fly. You know, I, I guess we can call it on, on. It's starting to push up a little bit at the end of the period. But I've seen a few runs where it was just kind of flat across the Gulf of Mexico and over Florida. We do get into a ridge position uh, as we uh, move in, move beyond, say, February 2nd or 3rd. And the model's been doing this for the better part of a week now, except for a couple of odd runs. Uh, but the trough wants to go back in the west. And one of the things that, that that's happening is that's really important. If you think back to December, uh, remember the Aleutian Ridge. Uh, and uh, it disappeared. It went up into Siberia. And it you know set the ball rolling for getting the cold pattern here in the east. Well, the Aleutian Ridge is back. Now, I would say this to you, is that the model does show... And we'll, you know, obviously this is in the long, long range. We don't know if it's, it's, it's real or not. The Aleutian Ridge does wind up migrating back northward. So I think you could make an argument that uh, in terms of going into this ridge uh, east trough west type pattern, that uh, it's not going to be one that's going to last too long. Um, I don't know that for sure. I mean, I'm just kind of openly speculating. I don't like to wipe out whole months or six-week time frames, although you know you could certainly make you know you could certainly make the case that that's going to happen. Uh, it's very interesting, Joe. Uh, at the end of the forecast period, just looking at the hemispheric view, the entire Arctic is under above-normal pressures. So that um, that would imply a very strong negative Arctic oscillation, which kind of you know that might throw a little bit of a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for. That might throw an interesting, well, not so much a monkey wrench, but it might offer an interesting twist to things after this pattern gets established. And with uh, the other thing I want to look at is uh, the uh, the polar vortex, because there is a change in how the the polar vortex is oriented uh, in, in in this scenario. It's been if you if you watch the 10 millibar, I really it does. You know, I'm starting to really get get a sense of things here with look, look, looking at the 10 millibar. But you know, if you look at the orientation of the there's a the upper polar vortex is sitting up there near the North Pole, but there's a trough that goes down into the eastern part of the United States. So we're looking at Thursday of this week. So you know, here's your your this is how your air is coming from from Siberia down across uh, the 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 Arctic into Northwest Canada and down into the northeastern United States that uh, polar vortex starts to rotate around and pull up. You know, it hangs around a little bit. This is like February 3rd and 4th. But when we get we go beyond that, now look at where the flow is. Now we're looking at February 8th. Now your flow is coming from, say, central Siberia across uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Arctic Ocean. But it's going into western Canada and into the western part of the United States. So... It's changing up there. What's happening down at the lower levels? You're getting that ridge going into the east. You got a, almost a southern, you know, a flow that's more southwesterly in the eastern part of the United States in the stratosphere. Now, what I would just say is, if you look at how the upper low is migrating, because uh, it is migrating into northwest Canada, perhaps the next thing to happen is that the tilt it starts to tilt back into the eastern states to an extent. You know, when we get into the middle part of February and beyond, I'm just openly speculating. I don't know if that's the case. I'm generally not a long-range guy. I like to learn new things, but I've always said that I've, I've never been really good at getting my head wrapped around the long range. So 
you know, take it with a grain of take it with a big grain of salt in terms of my analysis here. I could be wrong. I defer to those who work with this stuff on a an, on a regular basis uh, as uh, being able to uh, give you a, you know a much better view and a much more uh, perf- uh, uh, valid opinion on where we go beyond say the the two week time frame. Yeah, I could just imagine somebody from the Climate Prediction Center sitting one of us or both of us down. Uh, we would explain our reasoning. For because they do watch the show very carefully. Right. They do watch our show very carefully. No, but what I'm saying is that these, these people, these men, these women who work <clears throat> at that particular division of uh, NOAA would listen to our explanation or listen to our, our thoughts as to what is going to come our way in the coming weeks. And say, well, you're absolutely right. We agree with you to a certain extent. But now take a look at this. And they may show us something that we didn't consider. Right. And that they, having been there or having worked there for all of these years, would say, this is what has always been missed by all of you operational forecasters, which we mix in and we believe is going to happen. So you're right. And, and it's the same thing, not just for long-range forecasts, but it's the same thing if we went to um, Norman, Oklahoma, and talk to the folks who are in charge at the Storm Prediction Center. They deal with storm of uh, uh, thunderstorms and possible severe weather on a daily basis. They 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 are experts. We, as I've said before, uh, we basically are GPs. We're general practitioners. We know enough to be able to look at various solutions and various uh, you know facets of the weather, severe weather long-range weather, cold weather, hot weather, and make a judgment call, but we're not experts specifically in any one field, hurricane forecasting, and that's why uh, that's why they, the uh, folks at NOAA have these various divisions set up for people who are specifically, and the people at the CPC, Joe's Climate Prediction Center, are saying in the eastern third of the country for February, we're going to be seeing a noticeable warm-up in temperatures. Lee Goldberg on Channel 7 the other night uh, teased his audience by saying, and where do you see what we have in store for February? And showed the CPC map showing above normal temperatures and saying, we're going to have a major pattern change coming in February. Now, hopefully that'll happen for the folks at CPC and also for Lee Goldberg, who is promising this after this such a long stretch of cold weather. But again, these things sometimes don't always work out. No, and, and, and you know, going back to winters like 2013, 14, and 14, 15, where you were essentially in the same pattern with very, very minor breaks. <clears throat> you know, when I say minor breaks, we're talking about a day or at most two uh, for the better part of the period from December right through March in, in, in 13, 14. And in 14, 15, it was basically from mid-January right to the end of March, those are rare events. Uh, you, you, those winters are so, they're really rare. You get those once every you know, 20, 20 years or so. And it was remarkable that we actually had two back-to-back winters like that. So uh, getting a five-week pattern like we've had where it's been cold, but as we've said many times, you can get in a cold pattern. It doesn't do you any good if, if, if the troughs and, and, and the ridges are not exactly in the right places when it comes to snow. So all the, and, and you know what? It's been great for the Mid-Atlantic. It's been great for the interior southeast, even the coastal southeast, uh, with the snow and ice that they got um, uh, the, the, uh, 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 yesterday and uh, Friday night into Saturday. I mean, it's the pattern's been perfect for them. I've gotten, you know, I, I've gotten about 
for me up in the mountains here, uh, three plus inches for the season so far, but nearby and up at the higher elevations, another thousand feet up, 500 to a thousand feet up, uh, the snow amounts are, you know, have been, ha have been much more substantial. So, um, you know, again, you, you could have all the cold air you want, but if you get overwhelmed by cold air and, and by the way, 13, 14, 14, 15, what was incredible about those two winters, Joe, as I recall, and by the way, uh, while it's on my mind, let me just stop my thought for a second. Um, 100 likes. Thank you very much for hitting the, getting us over the 100 likes without even asking. Uh, so if you like our show, definitely hit the like button. Joe and I love that. And uh, Leon Probitsky and, and uh, Richard uh, Comenzo. Uh, Richard, I think you might be new to the channel on the chat board, but welcome. And both of you, thank you for hitting Super Chat, uh, hitting the Super Chat tip jar. Joe and I definitely appreciate that. Uh, so, but going back to what I said in 13, 14, 14, 15, what was remarkable about those two winters was the fact that if you remember, Joe, uh, almost every snow for every snow system that we had in that in, in that stretch, the temperatures were in the teens, uh, and in some cases yes. in the low teens. Those those two winters was were really like sitting up in the Arctic. Uh, you know, most of the time down here, when we get heavier snows, you know, we're sitting with temperatures between, you know, upper 20s, low 30s, uh, maybe sometimes mid 20s, occasionally lower 20s. But uh, every single storm in that stretch, we had temp we were so deep in the cold air. And, you, you know, the argument is, well, when you're too deep in the cold air, you, you really can't have any snow. Not if the troughs and not if the troughs and ridges are set up in the right place. And in that particular winter, they were definitely set up in the right place for these sort of, you know, the types of events that you normally see, say, in upstate New York or in northern New England. It was really it was really remarkable. I love those. Those are my two favorite winters, by the way, and two in terms of uh, total snowfall production and uh, also in terms of uh, the fact that we had those really I can remember driving home in one of the one foot plus snowstorms. I believe it was in the one maybe in 14 in uh, in uh, 15 where, uh, you know, we had uh, S plus and temperatures were you know sitting at around 13, 14 degrees. Uh, it was about as powdery as a snow as you'll ever get. Um, yes, yeah. I was going to say the puff factor in that in those years, 13 and 14, the puff factor was a big factor in helping to puff up or build up the snow accumulations uh i was thinking in fact the other last week in fact joe when we had the uh the snow changing to ice and finally the rain and as i said the next morning i had to get rid of about three inches of spackle on my driveway as i was pushing that snow blower i was thinking about the years 13 and 14 and saying boy at least if we had snow like that it would be a lot easier to get rid of with a snow blower the the, the blow the snow blower probably would toss that stuff you know, 30, 40, 50 feet here. I'm like just dredging all of that stuff. So yeah, the, the puff factor with that very cold air and those storms that we had in 13 and 14, a lot of those storms were, were very puffy, very fluffy, and uh, they, they build up a lot, but they also were very easy to get rid of. By the way, here's an interesting thing. Um, just noticed it because you know I like to notice things. Uh, give me a moment. Let me bring up... This is the the new GFS, so uh, take it for what it's worth. But you know, here we are sitting and talking about you know ridge in the east and trough in the west, and I'm just looking up. Now it's not out far enough, so I don't know what it's going to do after this. But um, kind of looks a little different. Uh, we're at February 5th, and you know, actually we're out to February 5th, 
And I don't know, Joe. I'm, like, I'm looking at this. The Aleutian Ridge is not quite as strong. Uh, there's lower pressures across much of Canada. Uh, there's still troughing in the east here on this. I mean, we, we would have, you know, there's a little bit of a ridge after whatever happens, you know, at the last trough that pulls out around February 1st or 2nd. But we don't really go into a big ridge position here. Now, here's the thing. It, let, let me let me just point out though, because you look at this pattern and you say, okay, ridge of the west, trough in the east, uh, ridge of the east, trough in the west. Uh, you're, you're, doesn't mean that you can't get snow events. Okay, uh, every once in a while you can. And believe me, considering the chances that that have gone by the boards here in the last five weeks with all this cold air, you can't possibly do for snow lovers. You can't really possibly do any worse. But there is a way. Uh, in this in this type of setup where you could get uh, something and the way it happens is uh, you get you know say let's say you have the trough in the west and I'm just going to kind of draw it you got the ridge in the east if you get something in the northern part of the jet where it's going to be colder in Canada you get something to move along in the northern part of the jet where where you flatten the ridge out the ridge is still there but it's you're in one of these moments where it's the the ridge is not flexing its muscle and punching up the eastern seaboard. It's getting suppressed, even though it's still sitting there, just kind of flattens out, say in the Gulf of Mexico and over Florida. So you get that ridge to suppress. You get a cold. Uh, you get a trough that moves along the northern stream that that comes along, and you get one of these big highs. You usually see this sometimes in a pattern like this, where you get these big cold highs that build from say the northern lakes into eastern Canada, but they the cold air doesn't get far enough south because there's ridging in the upper atmosphere. So sometimes the lower levels get cold, but the upper levels stay warm. So uh, what can happen sometimes is that if you can get that northern jet to press that ridge down and flatten it, and then something in the southern part that comes out of that trough in the west can move along underneath it, uh, then you get one of these you know, you get one of these situations where you get uh, you get some overrunning precip on a stalled frontal boundary, and you're north of the frontal boundary. Uh, I, uh, you you could get uh, maybe a situation where you get like a supercharged warm front that moves northeastward that puts you know down uh, a quick three to six inches in, 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 as it goes by. I'm not predicting this, but I'm just saying that. Uh, it's not a, you know, it's not an automatic slam dunk that the minute you go to a ridge in the east and a trough in the west that you can't have uh, winter weather events. Uh, it, it, it's a matter of of uh, the weather systems and the short waves that you're dealing with have to time out perfectly uh, in order to happen. And you know that's not that's not exactly a uh, a controversial statement because even in in the in the best of patterns you got to have a you have to have everything time out perfectly, and you have to have the short waves uh, in the right place, and you have to have the ridges in the right place. So um, I, I don't, you know, I kind of look at these whenever I my, my my approach, Joe, has always been to just, you know, okay, you look at the broad pattern, but you got, you know, you also have to look at what's going on in front of you, and sometimes what's going on in front of you may not necessarily match up with what you think you should be getting in terms of the broad, the overall broad pattern. Well, now, after all of that, after that lovely soliloquy, right. uh, explaining everything out or whatever, I now direct your attention, as several people on the chat board have been trying to direct our attention, to the solution for next Saturday morning, 
by our dear friends up in Canada, the CPC. Okay, have so you had a chance to look at that. Nope, I will bring. Have you had a, a chance to look at this? I don't know. I have you, it, you, Joe, because I've been doing the long reach. All right, let's I, let's go to the Canadian. Uh, you know, the Canadian model, which is you know, as you know, Joe, how I like to refer to the Canadian model is the model that the broken clock that writes that that. Uh, that's right. Twice a day, uh, it uh, it hits home runs every once in a while, and then in between, it just you know, uh, at best, it hits uh, it, it 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 gets hit by a pitch, or it uh, <laughs> or gets on base with an on base error. All right. So first, let me look at the 500 because I like to look at the 500 first. By the way, I'm not disparaging. It's, it's it's a weather model. I you know I, a couple of times when I've said that I've gotten people from folks from Canada. I might you know. I might point out that about 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 uh, two or three years ago they actually said that they had improved it, the new and improved Canadian, okay. to try to make it make it a bit better. So yeah, but you know I will I, let me say this about the Canadian. The one storm that I remember distinctly that it did so well with was the Boxing Day storm. <laughs> the Canadian does seem to have a better handle when we go to a negative NAO. All right, now take a look. All right, folks, you see this? This is what goes back to what I said earlier. You got to get the trough to drop in further west. Sharp. See, see where the axis is here? Uh, it's way back to the west. It's running from western Michigan down to the Florida Panhandle. And look how look at that V shape. Look how much sharper the trough is. It's already neutral. On the GFS, it doesn't get neutral until it's right on top of us, and this is this is the yesterday afternoon's run. Um, it's actually almost identical to yesterday afternoon's run. So yeah, okay. If uh, I'm not, I, I, again, I I'm not throwing out the chance that that the models could be too progressive. Maybe the Canadian is onto something. I don't know. Uh, I I would say. Given what we've been experiencing over the last couple of weeks, except for what happened last Sunday, everything has been, you know, progressive and to the south. And of course, I will pull up the let me pull up the surface map because you're not going to be happy until I pull up the surface map and take a look at it. Uh, so, uh, and neither will I, by the way. So, um, yeah. so here we go. Here's the surface map. I'm trying to make sure that everybody's seeing it. Yeah, it's a burial on the I Canadian. See it. Yeah, it's a burial. Yeah, it's a not. What is yeah. that? A fifty. In fact, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Cassie, if you're if you're still watching, Dennis, the Canadian forecast by one o'clock on Saturday next Saturday afternoon, twenty inches of snow for your part of Connecticut. I just thought I'd point throw that out. <laughs> well, uh, here's 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 what I would say. Every model that we've that that I've looked at, every model. I, that I've looked at over the last three or four days has at some point shown uh, this negatively tilted, wrapped up solution. Uh, the European has shown it at one point. In fact, the European showed it so much at one point it wanted to take a low up into central Pennsylvania. The GFS has shown it multiple times. Uh, the uh, Canadian has shown it a couple of times. Then it goes to the offshore solution. Then it comes back and goes to the onshore solution. So... Uh, I, I'm not discounting it. It's as you said, Joe. It's Sunday. We're looking at hour one. We're looking. I'm talking about hour one thirty-two and beyond. So, uh, yes. you know, we we saw the storm last Sunday. The radical shifts that occurred 
inside 120 hours. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, the, over the next couple of days, we'll we'll zero in on it. We'll figure it out. Uh, but remember what you're looking for. Deeper trough, further west, much sharper. That that negatively tilted broom tilt that I saw showed at the beginning of the video. Uh, that's what you want. You don't want it too negative, and you don't want it too sharp, too far left, because then you wind up with a low that goes up inland, and it's a coast hugger. So just remember that too. It's a it's a fine line. You're talking about a you know 60, 100 miles, in a, you know either direction here. So you got to have that. You got to have it just right. And the odds of it having having it just right, no matter which way, no matter where your perspective is, where you, where you are geographically, uh, the odds of having it just right are not especially high. Okay, so uh, I think we probably can't say any more. Um, uh, I, I think you can, we can't really say any more about about this. Uh, we've actually said quite a bit with from a forecasting standpoint, not really saying very much, which is the way forecasters should operate when we're talking about in the long range. And uh, I think, Mr. Rayo, you have Briller Jeopardy because we had one left over from last week. Do you have it? Yes, I'm going to uh, pick it out right now. Oh, excuse me. No, that's me. You. No, my uh, my throat's getting just a little bit dry. I'm going to get. You, you can keep talking because I can hear you. I'm just going to get get a glass of water. Because I'm on a headset. Right, well, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> while Mr. Chiavi gets his glass of water, let's uh, point out also that uh, again we're we're right at the start of a. We're coming down to the end of uh, the end of the uh, month of January. Mid uh, midpoint of winter will be February third, the day after uh, Groundhog Day, and uh, we're already halfway through what what, uh, what the meteorologists refer to as meteorological winter. They consider winter over at the end of February, although as we are well aware, that doesn't always work out. Uh, well, there's still quite a bit of winter in March, and sometimes even into the month of uh, month of April. So I'm wondering here, Joe, if this is already. I'm wondering if I may not have for Jeopardy. Oh, maybe I have it. Hold on a second. By the way, Airy Mac hitting uh, super chat um, uh, just now. Thank you, Airy. Most appreciated. Yes, I actually I have it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, so here we go. Uh, these are the average. <clears throat> January high temperatures for the five uh, for these ten cities, Joe, and uh, five degrees is the margin of error. And uh, let's see how you do. So you ready? Yes, sir. Average high temperature for uh, the month of January. Okay, let's start out with uh, Oklahoma City. Oh. Oklahoma, where the wind blows whistling down the plain. You know, this is this is going to be tough because Oklahoma, as you know, is right smack in the middle of the country. And a lot of the cold air masses that break through from northern Canada sometimes plunge straight south. Uh, before we call them Texas Northers, Oklahoma gets the, uh, the lion's share of those kind of uh, systems. And so you say to yourself, oh, well, they're in the south. Or, uh, you know, they, they, they probably are rather warm. Maybe not necessarily true. So, and I'm going to have to, hmm, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. 
I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, for Oklahoma City, average January temperature, um, forty-eight. Well, you know something about yeah. as uh, about as close as you could be uh, to being on the nose, except not being on the nose. Forty-nine. Very good. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. Well, Phoenix is out in the desert southwest. They they are not usually usually prone to get frigid or cold air masses. So I'm going to say for Phoenix, uh, average January temperature of uh, 64. Good. Uh, 68. So you got you okay. got you got that five degree margin of error. Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh probably being inland from uh, well inland, and they get the cold weather. How about uh, for Pittsburgh? How about thirty thirty one six thirty six? So you're... wait a minute. <clears throat> oh 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 oh! <laughs> I said to myself, "What six degrees for no. an average?" Thirty six. No. No, so that's 36. <laughs> that's within five, but just so. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon, I would say, uh, Portland, Oregon. How about, uh, how about for Portland, Oregon, how about 42? Uh, within the margin of 5, 46, Rochester, New York. Rochester, well, 36, how about, how about 35? 33. 33 Salt Lake City Salt Lake City where they say the greatest snows on earth occur in Utah um I'll I'll say I'll say uh I'll say 30 38 Very good 39 39 San Diego where it's the same thing 350 Every days out of 365 same thing. How about, how, dang, how about 69? 66. WNBC. San Francisco. I left my heart in San Francisco. Actually, I left my money there, too. Uh, San Francisco. <laughs> oh, how about uh, 59? Oh, very good, Joe. 58. Uh, the current today. the current snow capital of the world of of the East Coast, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, forty three. Ah, uh, yeah, the first one you 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 didn't get in the margin of error. Fifty one. <coughs> wow. And uh, I figured it might be it might be warm because of the coastal thing, but I didn't think it would be that warm. Yeah. And last but not least is uh, Washington D.C. and Washington D.C. for the month of January. Um, forty. Forty-five. Forty-five. Just there. Just got in there. Uh, correct. So yeah. you're, done, you're done good. You got nine out of 10, which is great. I see the chat board is playing along. So, uh, it's, you know what? It's 1215 and a certain DOG, 
is waiting to go to the P-A-R-K so that he can P-L-A-Y with his F-R-I-E-N-D-S. <laughs> well, you know what? Right before the show, so, for like 30 minutes before the show, he was just really clamoring at me because he usually when we go to the P-A-R-K, it's in the morning. Uh, and right. anyway, I took him 20 minutes to finally calm down. So he's he's doing what he usually does. And hopefully what most people aren't doing during the show is he's laying on the side of the couch, totally asleep, uh, waiting for me to finish. So um, time to wrap and it thank, up. Thank all of you. And thank all of you. We we had uh, approximately 200 to 250 viewers, and we still managed you know, somehow to get 132 likes. Which yes. And you know what? For a Sunday morning when people are out doing things and uh, spending the day uh, in uh, activities or or, you know, even though it is cold uh, in, in, in most places, including here, uh, the uh, it's a, it, it's 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 a nice crowd for a Sunday morning. So you and I uh, will be back tomorrow night at the usual shopping time, 730 Eastern. Do you have any plans this week that will cause delays? No, uh, nothing really significant uh, in the immediate future. Uh, we're, we'll have my son and, her, and my daughter-in-law here for dinner this afternoon. And uh, boy, they do taste good. That you, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's she making? I believe we're having pork shoulder tonight. Oh, nice. And, and uh, butternut squash. Oh, very good. Love the combination. Love the combination very much. Okay, let's say goodbye. Uh, folks, thanks for being here. Loved having you. Hope you'll be back on uh, tomorrow, 7.30 Eastern time. That's going to be our schedule all week. Uh, if there is a storm threat at the end of the week, it probably means we'll be going beyond Thursday. But for now, uh, we, we are definitely going to be on uh, the next four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yes. at 7.30 Eastern time. So have a great uh, a great Sunday. And uh, we will uh, see you uh, tomorrow. Say goodbye. Absolutely. Say goodbye, Good Joe. Goodbye, Joe.